Well, good morning, family. I am so excited to be here with you this morning. Thank you, Dan. My name is Kim Thompson. Most of you know me as Kim, but you know what? My, my name is actually Diane Kimberly Thompson. I go by my middle name, and it's been a source of confusion my whole life. I'm telling you, when my husband will be in the room, and I'll be on the phone with some business that has records on me, say a doctor or something, and I'll, I'll be talking to the receptionist, and I'll say, uh, yeah, this is Kim Thompson, but, but you might have me down as Diane K. Thompson, or, or maybe it's Diane Kimberly, or maybe you have me as D. Kimberly, and he's over here rolling his eyes, because he's heard the litany before. And he's saying, why don't you just tell him the same name every time? You know, it's, it's a problem to be confused about your name. But there is one name that we don't want to be confused about. We want to use his name on purpose. And that's why we're in this four-week series. Last week, we talked about his name, Jesus. Next week, we're going to talk about Emmanuel. And today, we're going to focus in on Christ. You know, many people think that Christ is his second name, you know, Jesus Christ. But like Ron shared, Christ is not a name at all. It's a title. And, you know, once we begin to understand what Christ means, then we will realize what a weak greeting it is when we say to somebody, happy holidays, right? Because we want to say Merry Christmas. Because, you know, it is only... The only way for me to know what Christmas is about is for me to understand the one Christmas is about. So will you get out your outline right now and a pen, and you're going to find that all the verses you need this morning are written on your outline because we're going to be jumping around. Let's talk about this title, Christ. It started as a Greek word, Christos, from which we get our English word, Christen, which means to anoint. It refers to a person who has been set apart and chosen by God for a particular purpose. So what does that word mean? In the Old Testament, when a person was anointed to be set apart by God, that means a person who represented God would take some oil and put it on that person's forehead as a way of saying, this one has been set apart for a mission from God. This person is equipped by him. Now, there were three different positions that God instructed the people of Israel to anoint a person for. First, there were the prophets. That was a person who spoke to people for God, you know, like Isaiah and Jeremiah, those were prophets. Then there were the priests, people like Zechariah. That, that was a person who spoke to God for people. And then third, there were the kings. That was a person who reigned, like King David or King Saul. And, you know, as you study it, you can see that these offices or these positions of service were foreshadows of the Christ who would come someday. The things that these people did for others as part of their God-appointed job give us a glimpse into what Christ would one day come to do for you and me. But these anointed prophets and priests and kings were human beings, and there would be critical crossroads they would come to where they might be confused or tempted. And then, would they live up to their anointing? Well, sometimes they did, and sometimes they didn't. So Israel began to look forward to the day when someone would come that would have the full anointing of the Spirit of God. 
they started looking for the anointed one. And in Hebrew, that word is Messiah. I got to hear a guy say that word because he, he spoke Hebrew, and it sounded something like this, Mashiach. You know, something came out of the back of his throat. So I don't try to say that very often. But, you know, they would even say Yeshua Ha, Mashiach, and Ha means the He is the anointed one. He is the one perfect prophet, the one perfect priest, the one perfect king. Now you might wonder, why does all this matter? Well, you know, I'd like to share with you a verse from Colossians chapter 3. It says this, Let the message of Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Now as we talk about the names of Jesus, it's great to get the facts to hear the message, isn't it? But what good is a message unless we apply it, unless we put it to work in our lives? You know what that reminds me of? is one of those great big Bibles like we had on my coffee table growing up. You know, it was covered in dust. (laughs) Did you have one of those? You know, it was full of lots of information, lots of data. Many of us have lots of data going through our minds about the Christ. But I want to show you the rest of that verse again. Let the message of Christ in all its richness do what? Fill your lives. Would you take your pen and circle that phrase? Fill your lives. You know, that always makes me think of high-octane gas. Filling my engine. In another version, it reads, Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. We're talking about your actions and your reactions. We're talking about how you do life. You know, there can be a connection between what I know and what's going on in my life. I went to church all my life, but I had to discover that truth. You know, there are many people who aren't letting their knowledge of Christ transform them because they're not applying what they know. So let's take the message, and let's find out today how we can apply it. Remember, a prophet is a person who talks to people for God. So first, take your pen and write down, because Jesus is my prophet, I can hear from God. Jesus came to be the one perfect prophet. He's your prophet, so you can hear from God. Look at this verse in Hebrews. It says, long ago... God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. You know, Isaiah and Jeremiah, they had that tough job of saying, listen up, this is what God is trying to say to you. But in verse 2 it says, and now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. The Bible goes on to say, whom he appointed. He appointed to be the anointed. Jesus is your prophet. Now, to get a picture of this, I want to ask you, what are the times when you're trying hardest to hear God's voice? For me, it's when I'm in pain, when I'm faced with a problem. That's when I really listen hard for the voice of God. Or when I'm at a crossroads and I need to make a decision. Boy, do I ever lean in and try to hear him then. Well, how do you hear God? How did Jesus hear God? Look at what we find out in Luke chapter 4. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, that's the Jordan River, and was led by the Spirit in the desert. 
Jesus listened for the leadership of the Spirit in his life. And you and I can too. So that's the first thing to write down. There are two ways that God whispers to you. And the first is Holy Spirit. Jesus listened and followed Holy Spirit, and you and I can as well. Now you may notice that I call him Holy Spirit instead of the Holy Spirit because I try to remind myself he is a person. He is not an it or a thing. He is a person, and he's wanting to speak to each one of us today. You might ask, well, how do I get access to Holy Spirit? Well, look at what Paul tells us about that in 2 Corinthians. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. What's the next word? He anointed us and set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts. I love that verse. You know, I learned this week that there is a Greek word used there about an engagement ring. It's called Erebon. And it means that when God gave his spirit to you, it's like he's given you his engagement ring. You belong to him. No one can take you from him, and he's coming back for you. That's what Holy Spirit is in your life. Everyone here can be God's anointed. The moment that you said yes to Jesus and you took a step over that line of faith, at that moment, God put his spirit inside you, and you are his anointed. That anointing doesn't come and go. It doesn't depend on how you feel, whether or not you can hear God's voice. You are his anointed, and you must learn to believe that. God has anointed you and set his spirit in your heart so you can hear his voice. But we have to learn to recognize his voice. You see, our lives are basically about a conversation that goes on between us and God. And as we do life, this conversation can happen all day long. And as we mature, we begin to recognize his voice and distinguish his voice from all the other voices. It wasn't too long ago, we got to go to some friend's house for dinner. And their little two-year-old girl was sitting right there with us having dinner. And she was especially spellbound by this great big bowl of salad that had croutons on it. She kept reaching in with her fat little fingers and getting a crouton. Out of the salad that we would all be served from. And her mama said, no, I'm going to give you your own plate. And she just couldn't help herself. She just kept reaching in. And finally, her mama just picked her up and held her. And I remember when my kids were that age, and I just had to give constant instruction in those social situations. I couldn't take my eyes off of them. But you know, those days are gone. It would be pretty awkward if I followed my 17-year-old son over to his girlfriend's house when he was invited for dinner to remind him to use a fork when they serve the salad, even though that concept is still pretty hard for him. You know, they would kick me out, and I would be a pretty ineffective mother. The goal, of course, is that our kids learn to practice good manners, make great choices. Our, our hope is, as they mature, that they will individuate from us and begin to make great choices. And, you know, it's precisely that way with each one of us and Holy Spirit. We won't recognize his voice real well at first when we're new in the faith. But as we practice and we listen and we expect to hear his voice and even get it wrong sometimes, eventually we will know his voice well. 
Now, the second way you and I hear God whisper goes hand in hand with the first, and it's through the Bible. The reason it goes hand in hand is the Holy Spirit will never lead you to do something that is contrary to Scripture. But also, he's so practical. He just takes Scripture that you've heard, verses that you've listened to in a message or memorized, and he will unpack them for you and remind you of that truth as you do life. I remember a painful conflict I had once with a significant person in my life. It happened to be shortly before Christmas. You know, it crossed my mind as I contemplated Christmas gatherings where I would have to be around that person again, that I just might do everything in my power not to speak to him. In my pain, I was tempted to that kind of a response. But you know, while I was chewing on that possibility, Holy Spirit brought to my memory a verse that I had memorized years before. And I could only remember the first part of it. Like, you know, when you try to tell a joke and you can't remember the punchline? That's what it was like. It, it kept going through my mind, though. It was this part. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through. That's what it felt like. It's a fiery trial. As if something strange were happening to you. See, Holy Spirit was inviting me to run to my Bible. So I picked it up and it said this. Instead, be very glad. Huh, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. Be very glad? That's not what I wanted to hear. I mean, yeah, I wanted to see his glory revealed. But to be very glad over my bruised heart was kind of a stretch. I just wanted a pout for years to come. But Holy Spirit was talking to me through the Bible. He was reminding me of a principle that Ron had shared with me. In fact, Ron shared it a couple weeks ago with all of us, and it had to do with seeking out God's guidance in our life. He said it's not so much about finding God's will as it is following his voice. He said when you're at a turning point and you don't know which way to go, to keep doing what you know to do. And moment by moment, you do life with God all day, every day. So I knew that even though I didn't know how I could handle Christmas with this person in the same county with me, that Jesus was telling me to just move forward and trust him moment by moment to work it out for his glory. You know, you can hear God's voice. So practice listening for his whisper in your life. Now second, because Jesus is my priest, I can speak directly to God. Write that down. See, here's the information, the message. In the Old Testament, only the priest who had been anointed was allowed to go in and talk to God on behalf of the people, and only once a year when he entered the most holy place, that he had to go through cleansing and preparation before he dared approach that altar. Another job he had was to do a daily sacrifice for the people, morning and evening, as a covering for their sin. That's how that priest talked to God for the people. But look at Hebrews. It says there that Jesus offers to be your priest. It says, unlike those other high priests, he, Jesus, does not need to offer sacrifices every day 
But Jesus did this once for all when he offered himself as a sacrifice for the people's sins. You know, that's why I can never be charged again for my sin. I can never be accused because Jesus has paid for my sin. They were taken off me and put on Christ. Now that's the message. What's the application? I can speak directly to God. I don't have to be ashamed of all the ick in my life. I can talk to him. You might have heard the story about a boy and his sister who went to their grandparents' farm. And as soon as the boy got there for his visit, he ran around to the backyard to practice his shot, his slingshot. You know, he set up his targets. The first two were just a practice aim, but then he decided on the third one to let it fly. And you know, the ball bearing hit that target right off, but there was a problem. It bounced off the can, and it hit the head of Grandma's duck square on, killing it instantly. The boy was in a panic. He grabbed the lifeless bird, he threw it behind the wood pile, and then he looked around to see if he'd been discovered, and just then, his sister came around the corner of the house with an evil grin on her face. She said, I won't tell anybody about the duck if you'll promise to do all my chores for two weeks. Well, the boy was caught, and what could he do? So he agreed. Well, that night after dinner, Grandma said to the sister, hey, come and help me with the dishes. And she said, but Grandma, my brother says he would love to help with the dishes. And then she turned and whispered to him, remember the duck. <laughs> the next morning, Grandpa said to her, hey, come help me shovel, shovel some hay. She just turned and mouthed at him across the room, the duck. So he volunteered instead. You know, every time she brought up the duck, he felt worse. He felt guilty for killing the duck, but he felt distressed by his sister. A couple of days after that, he just couldn't take it anymore. So he went to his grandma in tears and he said, I am so sorry, but while I was practicing with my slingshot, I accidentally killed your duck and I hid it behind the wood pile. And she looked at him with a kind smile and she said, it's okay, honey. I know I was watching the whole thing. I, I forgive you. He said, well, why didn't you say anything? And she said, because I was wondering how long you were going to let your sister push you around before you came to me. <laughs> God wants you to come to him. It's your enemy pushing you around as he whispers, remember the duck. Remember the way you lost your temper. Let it fly in front of your family. Remember your envy when your coworker got that promotion. Remember how your eyes lingered on that provocative ad. Remember how you worked the system instead of just being a person of integrity. Remember the duck. You know, if you want to let the word, the message of Christ, really live big in your life and listen to this. And write it down. Because Jesus is my priest, I can talk directly to God about the duck, about my sin. And if I can talk to him about my sin, here's the good news, I can talk to him about anything. That's good news today. You have a priest who has talked to God for you. His name is Jesus. So you don't have to hide or go through someone else in order to get to him. He wants you to remove your mask and allow him 
Allow his sacrifice that he paid for you once and for all to cleanse you today. You can walk out the door armed and ready for the next time you hear that voice whisper to you, remember the duck. Jesus is your prophet. Jesus is your priest. And the third reason, the third way that he came as the anointed one to be your Christ is this. He is the king. A king is reigning over all. A king has the last word. Because Jesus is my king, I have victory. Write that down. I have victory. You know, it's very possible that Christmas reminds you of your problems and things in your life that are not the way you want them to be. You may even feel like giving up. It may feel empty today to write down those words, I have victory, because you're not seeing it right now. When I go home tomorrow to see my parents and the place where I grew up, I finally get to spend time with my dad, who is in the hospital. He's been struggling with pneumonia and dementia, and he can't walk. All the hard things about old age are severe right now for him, and it's hard. You know, I've been talking to Dave Bolin about the fact that his mother died in October after 20 years of struggling with debilitating illness. Some of you have lost loved ones this year, and it hurts. We look around us and we see pain. We see injustice and poverty, and we see hatred and all the things that human beings can do to each other. And we might ask ourselves, is it ever going to end? This week, I had the chance to study a painting by Rembrandt, painted in 1646, called The Adoration of the Shepherds. It's really dark. I'm going to tell you some of what's in this painting. It's in a night scene, and it, it appears to be inside a barn. In the center is the babe in the manger. Mary is by his side, and Joseph is right there too. It looks like the wise men might have arrived. If you look closely, you can see the outlines of the sheep. The shepherds couldn't leave their sheep outside, so they brought them all in the barn with them. And the, bar the shepherds are studying that baby that the angels had told them all about. On the right, you can see a rickety ladder leaning against a crossbeam, and on that crossbeam is a rooster. You know, it hit me. The ladder and the crossbeam make the dim outline of a cross. And the rooster is a symbol of betrayal in the distant future. Even in this moment at Christ's birth, the cross looms over him. This is Christ, the anointed one, the king of kings. And yet his whole earthly life, from the manger to the cross, was overshadowed by suffering, by pain, ultimately death at the hands of the ones who appear to be in power. You know, this is one of the big reasons that the rabbis of the Jews rejected Christ as their Messiah. He didn't fit. They were looking for a king who would give them an earthly victory over the Romans, put them down. They couldn't accept Isaiah's description of their coming anointed one as a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. They couldn't believe that the anointed one would, would be treated with contempt. So when Jesus showed up as a lowly king, born to peasants in a barn, they, they wouldn't receive him. The rabbi's flawed interpretation was so fixed in their minds that they would rather reject their Messiah than revise their expectations. 
I heard a story about four devoutly religious women who lived in an apartment just across the street from a brothel, and their favorite pastime was to sit and watch who came and went from the door of that brothel and talk about them. And one woman saw one afternoon that a minister from a church she did not attend came out that door, and she said, See there? I always said the people who go to that church are immoral. And just a few minutes later, the minister from another denomination came out that same door, and she said, Heaven help us all. I always said that those people didn't have any morals either. Well, only a few minutes later, the ladies were chagrined to see their own minister leave the, out of the same door from the same house, and they sat in stunned silence. Finally, that same woman spoke up and said, there must be someone really sick in there. <laughs> it's a lot easier to just hold on to what we've always thought, isn't it? That's what the rabbis did. They rejected Jesus for the role of Messiah because he did not fit the bill. And they were unwilling to revise their view of the Christ. The same thing happens today. People reject Christ as the king because they're not willing to rethink their view of him. You know, as you and I look at the hard stuff in our lives, we might be tempted to say to ourselves, well, Christ must not really be reigning as king because I decided to follow him, but look at all this pain in my life. But as we look at the life of Christ, we can see that his life was anything but the pursuit of grandeur and comfort and power over others. His life was about emptying himself. He was willing to suffer, to die. If that path of lowly submission is the one that Christ chose for himself as the king, then surely it's the path that those of us who choose to follow him must choose for ourselves. So what? What do we do to apply this message? Well, I think Paul speaks to that when he says in 1 Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. You know, the word for fight there in Greek is A-G-O-N. We get our word agony from that. And many times it can be agony to hold on to our faith when we're in a dark time, when we're facing an uncertain future. Because all we can see is the darkness. But God is saying, hold on and fight for your faith. This king will have ultimate victory for you. I have a friend who's been fighting throat cancer. Her name is Judy. And, and uh, she, this came upon her right after her husband had died of cancer. And they overdid the radiation on her throat. And as a result... She had to learn to talk again, and, and she still hasn't been able to swallow food, and she lives on a feeding tube now. And you know, she's done an amazing job as I've watched her life of fighting the fight of faith, and she's holding on, believing God that he's going to have victory in her life. Look at that painting again. See, the most significant feature is the light. Rembrandt was different than other Renaissance artists. He didn't paint Jesus as an angel with a halo. With all that darkness around, notice the light. It isn't shining on the baby. It's shining from him. 
You know, this picture reminds me of what this series is all about. Christmas is not about a present under the tree. Christmas is about the person in the manger. And Rembrandt is saying with his artist's brush that all hope and light shines from this Christ child, the king, lighting up a darkened world. The hope and fear, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. He is the light, even if you're facing dark circumstances. If Christ had not come, we might as well close the church and turn off the music and go home. There's no hope. But you know, the words of Isaiah, the prophet, are going to come to pass when he said this, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. It hasn't happened yet, but it will. So you have victory. These will be his royal titles, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His ever-expanding peaceful government will never end. He will rule forever with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David. The passionate commitment of the Lord Almighty will guarantee this. He is the king who will have the last word. Will you take what you know about Christ and apply it to your life? Will you allow him to be your prophet who talks to you? That's why he came. Jesus came to speak God's love to you. Will you allow him to be your priest, the one who has made the way for you to talk directly to God? The Bible says that he had no sin. He knew no sin, but he became sin for you and me, and he paid the price so that you can talk to God directly today. Will you allow him to be king in your life, even over the dark circumstances? I love to think about the name of Jesus. There is no other name like his name with power to transform our lives. That's what this song is about. became sin who knew no sin that we might become his righteousness he humbled himself he carried the cross love so
heads together and talk to the Lord of all. Lord, all our hope truly is in you today. We thank you for coming to be our Messiah, to be our Christ, to be the one through whom we can hear God speak as though he has a megaphone right into our ears of love that cannot be measured. What love is this? that you would send your son, O oh God, to communicate to us. Now, I know there's some people here in the room this morning that have never yet said yes to Jesus and received the gift that he has offered as your priest. This morning is your chance. Don't let it pass by. Right now, you can just say to him in the quietness of your heart, Lord, I don't understand it all, but I just want to thank you that you would make a way for me to talk directly to God that I don't have to hide anymore, 
that I don't have to go through somebody that I think is more spiritual than me, but I can come right before you now and say, thank you for the cross. Thank you that you would go there for me, take all of my sin, and call it a done deal, paid for, paid in full. Thank you that I don't have to hide anymore. And that for the rest of my days, I can have this open line of communication with God. What a miracle. I thank you for that gift. And right now, this morning, there's somebody in the room that is struggling with darkness. And it's just hard for you to believe that there's going to be victory. But Christ is your king. He has come through making good on every promise ever made about him, and he is going to have victory in your life. So right now, you can just say to him, in the quietness of your heart, thank you, Christ, my king, that even though I'm not seeing the light yet, that you can help me fight the good fight of faith and believe, no matter what I'm facing, that you will have ultimate victory. You are the Lord of all, even over what I'm looking at today. Lord, we thank you that you were so powerful and so personal at the same time. In the strong name of Jesus, our Christ, we pray. Amen.